0: hey friends welcome back to journal feed my name is nick zelt and this is the only place to get spoon fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine where we want to keep everybody up to date on the literature and to do that we are willing to spoon feed it to you now let's take a quick look ahead at everything that we'll be covering now anyone that has ever done cpr knows that it's actually quite tiring how well do fit firefighters do at it then a network meta-analysis on epinephrine for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest Following that, we have nitrates are the boogeyman of the RV infarct. But maybe they don't have to be as scary as all that. Then, from the fourth article, what's one more vital sign? How about end tidal CO2? And then finally, I, for one, sure talk a lot about hyperacute T-waves. But how useful are they, really? Now, if you are hearing this right now, then you are not currently a Journal Feed subscriber and so will not be receiving the full Journal Feed podcast, only getting a portion of the past week's summaries. Don't worry, they're all great articles. But if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you'll have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And remember that we don't ever want money to be a barrier to the best patient care possible. So if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, please just get in touch and we'll help out. Now, this is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by Amanda Matthews, Jonathan Brewer, Clark Strunk, and Clay Smith. So let's get on to the first article titled, Temporal Analysis of Continuous Chest Compression Rate and Depth Performed by Firefighters During Out-of-Hospital Cardiac Arrest Out of the Journal Resuscitation. Now, two things matter most during a cardiac arrest, delivering shocks when possible and high quality CPR. We know that CPR when done right, definitely saves lives. Now, doing CPR correctly means maintaining an appropriate depth, rate, and minimizing pauses. Depth perhaps being more important than the right, according to an article that we covered a few weeks ago. The thing is, though, that doing CPR is really tiring. It's a lot of work. Maintaining all the necessary variables for two minutes between pauses can be difficult. These authors wanted to get some information about how compression performance changes over time during a cardiac arrest. Now, they didn't want to mess around either. They wanted great people at CPR for this study, so they recruited firefighters for the job. So this is probably the ideal circumstances. These are people who pass monthly fitness tests and who are trained in CPR. Now, the data was collected on 134 patients who had CPR performed by firefighters who acted as first responders during an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. The data was obtained from CPR feedback devices that were giving responders real-time feedback. Each two-minute cycle of CPR was analyzed independently. Now, over the two-minute cycles, the compression rate stayed appropriate. Within the normal range, or suggested range, of 100 to 120 compressions per minute, 93% of cases were able to reach this recommended rate. What did degrade over time, though, was the depth, decreasing by 3.4 centimeters over the course of the two-minute compression cycle only one third of the cases were able to reach the guideline recommended depth of 50 to 60 millimeters. This is actually really really significant. This is the best case scenario as well, fit providers and a feedback device. I can almost guarantee that the in-hospital CPR that I typically see is probably worse than these firefighters were doing and that's in hospital. That's why these authors actually advocate for a CPR coach which is a growing role that featured majorly the last time I took PALS at least. So it's being taught and this role can be very important. You have someone who is going to hold you accountable because it's just so easy to get fatigued and start to slip on the quality of your chest compressions. Now, considering this data, I always find it surprising that mechanical CPR doesn't outperform compressions done by people. It's actually quite shocking. In a spoonful, even if you're a fit firefighter with a feedback device, CPR compression depth suffers significantly over a 2-minute compression cycle. Okay, let's skip over to the third article. Titled Adverse Events from Nitrate Administration During Right Ventricular Myocardial Infarction, A Systematic Review and a Meta-Analysis, out of the Journal of Emergency Medicine. Now, the typical dogma for right-sided infarcts is that they need fluids to support their preload. Coming along with that is that you should avoid nitrates, which decrease preload and thus could potentially cause hemodynamic instability. For anything that you consider dogma, I think it's probably good practice to question exactly where that belief comes from and what evidence actually supports that claim. We do way too much stuff for no reason in medicine because it feels like it Ought to be true. Now, if we could give nitro for our right heart infarct patients, it might help with their pain. So if it wasn't as dangerous as we first thought, then it might be nice to use. Or at least you wouldn't have to be so scared of using it accidentally in a patient that you didn't realize had a right-sided infarct. So let's look into this study, a systematic review that found five studies that have outcomes including hypotension, GCS, syncope, cardiac arrest, and death. Two of these studies were suitable for meta-analysis, where nitroglycerin was given at a dose of 400 micrograms sublingually. What they found from this meta-analysis was that there was no significant difference in relative risk of adverse events in patients with combined inferior and right ventricular MIs. There were a thousand patients included in this analysis, which isn't too shabby. So where did this fear come from in the first place? Well, besides theoretically, in the initial 1989 study that guidelines are based on, there was a trial of only 40 patients that received an unknown dose and route of administration of nitroglycerin. They found a risk ratio of 4 for nitroglycerin to cause pretty serious harm. But given that we have no idea what these patients really got, it should be harder than it is to draw practical conclusions from this data like we've kind of done and made guidelines about. Perhaps further study would be beneficial. But in the meantime, meta-analysis data shows that nitrate-induced adverse events are similar between various types of myocardial infarctions. In a spoonful, while guidelines are still against nitrate use in the presence of right ventricular MIs, you can probably sleep a little bit sounder knowing that if you did it inadvertently, it's not very likely to cause harm. Alright, that's all we have for this week. Let's do a quick wrap-up. Now, from the first article, my gut reaction is that it feels silly to do CPR with a coach. But athletes all get coaches, and good CPR is crucial to good outcomes in cardiac arrest. So I'd have to say that I'm a supporter of having a CPR coach if you have enough bodies in the room to do that. This study showed compression depth suffered significantly over the compression cycle, even for very fit providers, while compression rate was maintained. Third, nitrates aren't as scary for RVMIs as you might have previously thought. This meta-analysis shows similar adverse reaction rates between the different types of MIs. Also, the founding study that scared us so much was significantly flawed. Now that's all we have for this week. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter is the best way to make the podcasting kind of a, it's sort of a bite-sized nugget of space repetition. Now if you're feeling like you missed out or you'd like to hear more podcasts, 250% more, then you've got to come over and join us in the members feed. Our goal here at the journal feed is for you to read less, learn more, and then hopefully use that information to save lives. One spoonful at a time.